All right, it looks like we're up and running. I'll just make sure before I get going here, everything looks good. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all those that are coming in. I hope you guys have had a wonderful day so far. I know I have. Let's see. You guys let me know if the sound, audio, everything is coming through. Before we get started, and let me just share this out also. Is everything good on that side? Okay. Just a second so I can get this shared out. Okay, okay. Let's get into it and not delay any further. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody has had a wonderful uh, weekend. Hey, Karen, how you doing? So glad to see you, sis. So glad to see you. I hope you've had a wonderful day. I hope your Sabbath was blessed yesterday. I mean, my whole entire week, weekend, everything is just, I just can't even... Huh, I'm blessed. That's all I can say is I am blessed. And, you know, you hear people say all the time, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, but I am, I can truly say that I am blessed and highly favored and ever so gracious to God. Um, so let's just, before we get into this, let's do things in the right order here. Father God, as we go in to study your word and to discuss your word, I ask that you Take me out of the picture, Father God, and use me to speak your word in the manner that you would have it to be taught. Father God, I ask that this message reach those that it, that it is intended to reach. Others, Father God, allow them to be a light with this message. If they come across someone um, that they are to share this message with, please guide it and put it on their hearts for them to share this message. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. All right. All right. That's good to hear, Karen. Um because, you know, with everything that's going on now, it's really encouraging and positive to hear when people, even in the midst of a, of a storm, even in the midst of a trial, they can say, God is good. I am having a great day. And as I was going through last week, you guys know I don't come before you just to hear myself talk, right? Um, because honestly, I do get tired of hearing my own self sometimes. And I'm always asking God, you know, what is it that you want me to teach on? What do you want me to talk about? And I kept coming across uh, an old passage, um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And also, hey, Sister Regina, glad to see you. Also another passage um, in Luke, a passage that we're all so familiar with. And I'm like, Lord, how am I going to put this together? How is this to work? But the more I got into it, um, the more it began to make sense, right? Regina's saying that it's frozen. Everything looks like it's moving good on my side. I can't see that anything is frozen. Everything looks to be ro um, rolling very well. So I said, Regina, maybe go out, um, come back in, unless you're saying that the weather's cold and you're frozen, but it's far from frozen here um, in good old Texas. It's about 91, 92 degrees. So um, if you're frozen, Regina, go out, come back in. But um, as I was going through this, right, so the, the spirit led me to Luke 
10 um, is where we're going to go. So if you if you have your Bibles with you, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start about verse 30. And this is a passage that we've heard, that we've seen so many times. Undeniably, um, anytime that we've read the passage, most of us can, I would like to hope, will come out and say, I want to be that good Samaritan, right? Because it's a parable we know about a man, you know, he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. He was stripped down, beaten. The priest passed him. The Levite passes him by without helping helping him. But we know what the main crux of the story, the Good Samaritan stops to take care of him, right? Let's, let's look at it here. Pop it up here on the screen and just read through it, right? And so for those of you that don't have your Bibles, uh, we have everything here for you. That way you can um, follow along with us. So let's just take a look at it. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. 31. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. Verse 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise, right? So again, we've heard this passage, we've seen it so many times, but as I'm going through it, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you, we talk about the good Samaritan, right? But what about the innkeeper? The, and that led me to think the real Airbnb, that's what we're trying to get, right? Everybody's familiar with Airbnb. You rent a hotel or a house, a room somewhere, you're on vacation, but we're trying to get to that real Airbnb up there. And I was like, and when the Lord gave me this one, I said, Lord, boy, you really stretch, you stretching me on this one, right? The real Airbnb, we're trying to get to that heavenly bed and breakfast up there, right? The, the, the place that every day from the time when we get up until we, you know, lay down at night to take our rest, we're trying to be, as I say, CIAs, Christians in action, right? To do things to get us to that heavenly be, um, Airbnb. Because we know, you know, we were bought with a price, not borrowed. So as I put it together, hmm, the real Airbnb bought, not borrowed, because we know the great price that was paid each, you know, that Christ paid for each and every one of us. And so the more that I really went through and broke this down, you know, the the innkeeper, he's often so overlooked in this. And let me go back because I really want to look at this, this scripture here. If we look down at verse, um, let's look at verse 34, right? Because we know, okay, as far, when it comes to this, you, if we look at it in 
representation to ourselves, right? We're that, you know, the person on the side of the road. Sometimes we feel beaten up. Life comes along. Molly walks us, does all sorts of stuff to us, you know, and just seems to beat us up, leave us uh, laying, you know, dead on the side of the road, right? So we can look at, at the beaten up guy, um, you know, as us. Let's just put it in, in that perspective, right? And so here comes along the good Samaritan and takes care of everything, right? He went to him, he bound up the wounds, pouring in the oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to an end and took care of him. So now look at this here. As I'm studying through this, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Now, Jesus already went through and laid the groundwork. He bound him up, bound up the wounds. He poured in the oil and wine. He set him on the beast, brought him to an end and took care of him. He gets him there to the innkeeper and says, now you have a responsibility, right? So uh, let's look at it as us being in that perspective of an innkeeper. How are we running our ends? Are, are we doing the entrusted work that God has left behind for us? You know, sometimes we're going along, we're minding our own business, you know, and along comes a trial, along comes a problem. We're like, Lord, I did not ask for any of this. I was just going on my merry way, minding my own business, right? So imagine how this innkeeper, here comes, you know, this man all beaten, he's all beaten up, he's all bloodied up, just minding his business. And in, you know, walks this man and says, hey, I need you to take care of this man. And if we look down here at verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee, right? How often when, when we're left in charge of something, you know, I have to ask, man, this innkeeper, you know, scripture doesn't indicate it, that he was sitting there saying, well, it's going to be $5 for the sheets. It's going to be $10 for the pillowcases. This man is bleeding all over everything, you know, but, and I even had to think back to my own self and say, man, how many times have I have, have I kept a tab on something, right? How are we running our ends? How are we truly being in charge of our of these B&Bs that God has left for us, right? It is the way that we're taking care of our ends here, that he's left us in charge because scripture clearly tells us here, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. How many times have we been left in charge of some old, well, how long do you want me to take care of old Aunt Susie? How long am I supposed to take care of her? Well, why don't you take care of her? I don't want to do it. How long do you want me to take care of these kids? I don't want to do it. And the scripture clearly tells us when I come again, I will repay thee. Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again. And it clearly says here, the important thing to look at is, uh, he says, when I come again, not if I come again, not maybe if I come again, but when I come again, we have that charge to run our ends to the utmost of our ability, right? And you may be saying, well, Tor, how am I supposed to do that? You know, that's just too much for me to take on. And as I'm going through 
Again, as I said, putting this lesson together, the Lord led me back to a teaching that I had actually did on all, because I date everything and I keep it on a hard drive on August 23rd of 2018 that just tied in so perfectly with this message here. So then I added in, I said, okay, we're trying to get to that real Airbnb. We're to be God's innkeepers when he returns, right? We're waiting on that when he returns to get that payment. That's the payment we're not that we're waiting on, right? We're to do whatever it takes by any means necessary to take care of God's people until he returns, right? And so again, for those that may be saying, well, Tor, I just don't understand how I'm supposed to do that, right? 10 scriptural keys to staying positive during trials because we know that they're going to come. So the first thing we have to look at is what is a trial, right? And I want to point out some of the more, there's several different definitions that came up, but let's look at the ones in yellow, the action or process of trying or putting to proof, a test, right? A tryout or experiment to test quality, right? When God has left us in charge here on this earth, to manage our individual ends, to take in those who are beaten up, bruised, left, busted, disgusted, right? A tryout or experiment to test quality, value, usefulness, right? Because we all have a role to play. And the important thing is not to start keeping tally, but to say, okay, I know that there's a lesson in this. I may be going through trials, but my brother or sister out there is also going through trials. This is the test. And if you remember the last teaching that I did, um, we're all under a judgment. How will you stand up right now if they were to come in and do a quality control of your end? And I, I have to say, if they were to show up and we're here to do an inspection on your end, is your will your end pass the test? Will your end pass the certification? You know, they put the little certification, you get an A grade, a B grade, a C grade, a D grade. How will you stand up during that time, right? Let's look at another part here. A test of faith, patience, or stamina through subjection to suffering or temptation broadly, a source of vexation or annoyance, right? And a lot of you may be saying, well, I can relate to the annoyance part because when trials come along, when I'm just minding my business, Business, and all of a sudden, everything just starts to just come crashing down around me, right? The storms of life tend to come in, right? When the storms of life hit us, we say, man, how am I supposed to stay positive in this? How can we survive the different problems that often tend to challenge our faith, right? How am I supposed to remain a CIA, a Christian in action tour when everything is falling down around me? Let's look at the first one here. Uh, key number one, accept that trials are a part of life. There's no if, ands, or buts about it, right? Sometimes one of the most astonishing things that comes up is we go in, you know, we, 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 we get saved, we go through the baptism, we say, I've given my life over. And at that point, a lot of people are led to believe that all problems stop at that problem. Uh, at that point, there's supposed to be no more problems. Everything's just supposed to be bliss and harmony, right? And while it's true that life is under unpredictable, we it's important to understand that problems are a normal part of life. And if we look at Peter, right, uh, in First Peter four and twelve, uh, Apostle Peter tells us, "Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the." Fire 
fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. So basically saying what's happening to you nine times out of 10, 9.9999% out of that 10, it's happened to somebody else. And I can guarantee in a lot of situations, it's happened to somebody else, possibly a lot worse than what you're going through. So we always have to be thankful. We have to be realistic, right? That no one is exempt from life changes, challenges, and trials. We have to look at the fact that even Jesus himself suffered to the extent of experiencing the most gruesome death that a human mind can Mm, every time I think about it, a, a, a group, such a gruesome death, right? That no, that the mind can't even begin to comprehend. But Christ said, remember the word that I said unto you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute, persecute you. And that's John 15, 20. So the sooner we accept that trials are a normal part of life, then we can prepare for worse things that are to come because guarantee if you're looking at the scripture, if you're looking at prophecy, the way things are unfolding, there is no if, ands, or buts that more is coming. So you have to be ready now and be able to deal with the small things, you know, and not saying that your issue is small or not important. But if you look at the way prophecy is unfolding in front of us, you can see that there's much larger and much greater storms ahead. Let's look at the second one. Realize that all things work together for good, no matter how it throws us off our track, right? All things work together for good. As that innkeeper was minding his business, God came in. God knew that there was a good in it. God knew that he had a reason for having him to bring that man in. That was his test to say, you take care of him in your end until I return and then I will repay you, right? So we just have to say, Lord, I don't understand what your reasoning is, what your purpose is behind this, but I know your word also tells me that all things work together for good, right? If we look at Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, right? We can hold on to that verse as long as we love God, as long as we love His uh, love God's word, right? We're a part of God's salvation, and we can have that 100% assurance that God will work things out. Sometimes we want to push it. We want to say, I want it to go this way. I need this to happen. I need this to happen. We want it on our own itinerary. But we have to remember, in order to get to that real Airbnb up there, we have to allow things to happen in God's timing, according to his will, right? We have to come to that point Um come to that point where everything will make sense. We can come to that point when everything will make sense and it may not make sense in this lifetime, but in the aftermath, have you ever went through something like, I don't understand how I did it. I don't understand how it worked out, but you just come to terms and say, well, Lord, you did that. It's not for me to toil on it anymore and figure out 
how you did it, why it doesn't make sense to me. And you just accept it and go on, right? Because some things aren't for us to understand. It's just for us to be obedient and continue on and do what he wants us to do, running our ends that he's left behind, right? Number three, we can handle any trial that comes our way. And as I'm going through with 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such is common to a man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When things happen, it's so, it's so easy to say, Lord, why me? I don't understand. Why did this come down on me? I, there's always a reason that he gave it to you. He knew that you could handle it. He knew that you would be able to push through. And he knew that once you push through, he, you would be able to come out on that other side, glorifying his name and thanking him for that, right? And, and a lot of the time, right, there's always a way of escape. And, and, and in grasping the full meaning of that verse, God is telling us that he will only give us a trial that we can handle, even though to us it may seem at the time, um, you know, that the burden is too heavy and we're like, Lord, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think you may have picked the wrong one. You think I can handle this? I guarantee you that he knew. He knew exactly the person to put that trial on, the person to put that burden on, right? You can have confidence that God will always make a way of escape and that you will be able to bear it. Now, if you give up too soon, how would you be able to witness God's miraculous power of providing you with a way to escape? So as you're sitting and you're going through these, you know, and, and, and I implore you to go back and just list these out and look at them because the more you prepare, right? As we talked about with that war that's going on in heaven, that's a battle that we're constantly fighting. That's not something that you can just say, okay, today I'm a war about it. I'm going to take two or three months off of worrying about it and come back. These are things that we have to go through mentally each day, put up here and say, and just get them locked into our minds, locked into our hearts. So when the trials come up, we're ready. We don't have to go flipping for notes. What was number three? What was number four? It's already there, right? So being in constant study, let's look at number four, count it all joy, because the typical human response to trials is either anger, panic, frustration, bitterness, remorse, depression in some cases, right? But that's not how God wants us to handle the problems in life, right? We have to have that mindset that runs contrary to human nature because human nature says, I want you to be depressed. I want you to be downtrodden. I want you to be angry. Let's look at the innkeeper. When when that man was brought in, beat up, bloody, that innkeeper could have been like, mm-mm, I do now count it all joy that you are bringing this beat up bloody man into my nice inn. Let's just say it was a nice inn, right? And he had just had the new uh, sheepskin sheets laid out, all these nice rugs laid out on the floor, nice pictures on the wall. And here comes this Samaritan inn with this beat up bloody stranger all over the place, bloody rags hanging all off. You know, this innkeeper could have said, I do not count this as all joy, right? Do you see? 
see how we're tying this in together. So instead of dreading the trials that come our way, we count it all joy. If we look at James 1 and 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If we look at um, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 that we went over earlier, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Basically saying, don't think it's strange because I guarantee you as much as we like to think, as much as Satan likes to put in our mind, you are the only one that's going through this. Ain't nobody else bankrupt. Ain't nobody else when they look at their bank account, nobody else's bank account is saying zero. 0.00. You are the only one. Nobody else's husband has left them. Nobody else's kids are in jail. You are the only one that's going through this. The devil likes to shame us into those things, which, like I said, create bitterness. They create anger. They create depression. They can also create jealousy depending on the situation, right? So we have to count it all joy. And when those words from the devil come in, when Satan tries to creep in and convince you that you are the only one and to get you to not count it as all joy. What do you need to say? Mm -mm, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Why? Because my scripture just told me in 1 Peter 4 verses 12 and 13 that I do not need to count this strange. I am not the only one that's went through this. I am not the only one that this has happened to. There are many other people, but society has gotten people to such a point to they're afraid to reach out and say, hey, brother and sister, this is what I'm going through, right? This is what I'm going through. I need help. People, so many people sit and suffer in silence. Why? Because as God's innkeepers, our light should be on saying there's always a vacancy in my heart for you. There's always a vacancy in my schedule for you. There's always a vacancy for me to get down and pray and intercede with you. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying with this, right? How are you keeping your end? If the inspector came back today and said, hey, how are you keeping your end? If he said, we're going to open the books, how will you handle it? How is your end being kept? Amen. You see where we're going with this, right? Uh, mm, 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 thank you, Lord Jesus. And so we have to, have to be exceedingly glad, right? And let's look at the scripture, Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly Exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So don't just be, oh, yeah, I'm glad. Thank you, Lord. I'm smiling. It, the scripture clearly tells us to be exceedingly glad, right? The best attitude, let me catch that. The best attitude in times of trial is to count it all joy. It gives you strength to trust the Lord. Amen. You have to count it all joy and be exceedingly glad. Have you ever been so happy in a trial or had something going on and people looking at you like, have you lost your mind? Do you know that your whole house just burnt down? Everything that you worked hard for, everything, you just lost everything during Hurricane Harvey. Um, in Houston, just watching people sing and join hands and rejoice. But you look at those people, man, you just lost $500,000 worth of, oh my goodness. You don't have insurance. You don't have, oh my goodness. But they rejoiced and were exceedingly glad. They counted it 
all joy. And as a Houstonian, it was a wonderful and beautiful thing to see. Now, there were a few people on the side of the road breaking down now. And I remember specifically this, <laughs> this one man, he was showing a, a $1,500 chair that he had just had recovered. And he was so distraught over the fact that the floodwaters had, had rose up above that chair. And as I'm watching it, watching this play out on the news, I'm thinking, well, Look at it this way. Next time it's going to be fire. So your $1,200 chair that you may have refurnished today may be consumed by an ever consuming fire tomorrow. So amen. That's something else to keep in mind. But let me stay on track here. Count it all as joy, right? Number five, look for the lesson in your trials. If you start practicing it now with small things, even the smallest things, Laura, I don't understand. Um, why I hit my toe and I can't walk for a week. Maybe he was preventing you from walking into the wrong house. Maybe he's preventing you from walking in the wrong direction and telling you, as I like to tell some of my friends, to sit your hips down somewhere. So maybe that's why. So if we look at it with the small things right now, right, we can be able to look at the big things and say, Lord, I know there's a lesson coming out of this trial, right? And one of the reasons that God allows us to suffer is to teach us a valuable lesson. Now, the point is to learn, learn that lesson and get it in here, get it in here and say, I am not going to do that again. I'm going to do a one, a, I'm going to repent, do whatever it is and walk. I'm going to do a complete a complete 180, because as I always say, a 360, you just starting back where you was at the last time. So do a 180, repent, and turn away from that thing and go on, right? And each time we pray, uh, face a problem, instead of saying, why me, God? When we go to God in prayer, rather instead ask, Father God, please show me the lesson that I'm to learn from this trial, right? Having a simple shift in focus, right? A simple shift in focus gives us a powerful reason to stay forward, right? To keep looking forward and to stay positive and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I ask that you put on my heart and show me. I know that there's a lesson in this trial, right? So that's the important thing. We don't, he does not just put suffering on us to see us suffer. There is always a reason behind it. There is a purpose, right? Let's look here. Where is this thing? Uh, where is it at? Here. Oh, it's First Peter 1 verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's always a reason behind it. There's always a lesson in the trial. And as I say, that lesson may not be for you to get on Periscope or Facebook Live or Instagram Live and put all your business out there like the Lord had charged me to do. It may be for you to, there may be a book that you need to write. There may be a sister or brother that you can counsel on that same thing that you went through or an inspirational post. It, it, there's so many different ways, but the, you know, like I always tell my daughter, ask God how he wants you to use that. 
Ask God and he will always show you how you're meant to use the lesson that you learned from that trial that you went through. So remember, staying positive in the midst of the trials, we need to look for the lesson that's behind it. God is trying to teach us something while we're going through it, right? Let's look at the next one. Number six, establish a healthy relationship with God. Trials should draw us closer to God, not farther. Scripture, when we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us, Psalms 23 and 4. When we draw close to God, we draw closer to the source of all comfort. If we look at Psalms 34, starting at verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So instead of running away from God, which many times tends to happen. First, I know I did the same. I don't want no parts of a God. I don't understand how a God can let me go through almost 14 years of sexual abuse. How can a God then turn around after all of those years of sexual abuse, allow me to be raped? And then after that, living a lifestyle that was ungodly. How, how can I respect and love a God? So I ran. But the one thing I tell you, once I sat down, as I've always said, and it was a yet a still voice, and it wasn't an intrusive knock. It was just a little light knock. I'm still here. Tori, my arms are still open. I'm still here. I'm still waiting. So I had to open the door from my side and allow him to come in. He did not push. So we have to remember to start building that relationship. And in the beginning, I'm like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. You want me to go to church, Bible? Oh my goodness, a Bible. My goodness. I had to go digging y'all. <laughs> I had to dig and I found an old beat up Bible. The pages was all flipped up. It was in my trunk. It had been in my trunk of my car for I don't know how long. And I'm reading the verse and I'm like, what in the, I don't understand all this deed, dust and that. I don't know, Lord, I don't understand how you want me to do this. I, 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 I just don't. But the more you begin to work on that relationship, the more you get into the scripture, the more it begins to open up, right? And the more you look at it and you say, now I know what you're trying to say. Being in, in, in godly conversations with other people, right? Changing changing your atmosphere, right? Changing your outlook and saying, hmm, this is the way that I need to go. This isn't the way of keeping God's end proper, right? The way I'm keeping God's end right now is not going to get me to that real Airbnb. So it's about building that relationship, spending that time in prayer, right? It doesn't always have to be out loud, vocal prayer, loud, outspoken, just sit and say, and just talk, you know, because he can hear the cries of our heart. He can hear the murmurs of our heart, right? He can hear the moans. He can, sometimes all you can do is moan. The pain is so bad from what you're going through and you just sit and say, mm, 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 mm. He understands every moan, amen? So just remember that as you're going through it, he understands all of it. So establishing a healthy relationship with God. When you're close to God, no problem, no matter what comes 
comes along, you will feel that it's not too great for you to handle because you know you aren't alone, right? You know that God's loving hands are there with you step by step without a doubt. Let's look at the next one. Number seven, focus on God's coming kingdom. You know, our previous lesson before we talked about a judgment is happening now and a judgment day is coming. How will you stand, right? How will you stand? If he came right now to inspect your end that he left in that scripture that we read ahead and he says, when I return, I will repay thee. What payment at this point would you receive? Ask yourself, hmm, what payment would I honestly receive if he returned today, right? If we have a healthy relationship, I can see it here, where'd it go? If we have a healthy relationship with God, it will help us to get rid of the unhealthy ones. Amen. I can attest to that. I can, once you start replace, oh, this, this person got to go. This one has to go. This relationship got to go. You replace it with four positive. I'm telling you, it makes a world of difference, right? And focusing on God's coming kingdom, focusing on that. When we suffer, we can confidently say, this too shall pass. Why? We know there will come a time that God will directly intervene in the affairs of man. As I talked about in uh, the other previous lesson, when it says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Why? For those of you that were in that study, two things are required to judge a man. Two things which we do not have right now. Does anybody remember what those two things are that are required to judge somebody else? Therefore, the scripture tells us, which people often love to throw up out of context, don't you judge me, judge not lest you be judged, right? Use that scripture correctly, please, right? Because we know that God will send his son for the second time here on earth, not as a helpless baby, right? But as a conquering king who will establish God's kingdom, right? Right, you need all the facts. You need two things to be able to judge somebody of which we don't have. You need all the facts. So you need motive and you need to be able to understand their heart and mind, which we do not have. You can look at a person all day long, but we know there's only one person that knows the heart and the mind. And people say, well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So when we say that, be cognizant of that fact he does know your heart, no matter what's coming out of your mouth, right? So if we focus our minds on God's kingdom and all of the wonderful things that it brings to our lives currently, but just think about the greatness that is to come, right? There is no way, no matter what trial we're going through, that we should be able to get discouraged. Romans 8, 18, no matter what life throws at us, we can be confident that that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, right? The heart is deceitful above all. So be careful with that. God knows my heart. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. So just think about that next time when, <laughs> when, you, when you go to throw that one out. At somebody. Let's look here. What's our next one? Key number eight, seeking godly counsel. I didn't say seeking the pastor's counsel, seeking the minister's counsel, seeking the elder's counsel, seeking godly counsel. People that you know 
are walking with God without a doubt. How do you know? Because their trees reflected and they have the fruit hanging off of it, right? Seeking godly counsel. Seeking godly counsel. I cannot stress that enough. Again, as I said before, society's condition, people, you're weak if you ask for help. You don't want to reach out to anybody, but making sure, uh, as according to Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But, but making sure you are seeking godly counsel and having conversation with your business, with people that are truly of God's business, people that are truly displaying that they are keeping God's end, that they're being good end keepers right now, right? They are just playing the role. So again, note that I did not say go seek the pastor's counsel, the elder's counsel, the minister's counsel, the bishop's counsel, the pope's counsel. I said to seek godly counsel. And in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that, right? Number nine, study the Bible, right? The second part is the crucial portion. You got to, and that's all I got to say about that. Seek godly counsel. That's enough about that, right? Key number nine, study the Bible. The Bible are scripturations, as I call them. These here, study it all the time. Mark it so you go to it. When you come across something, you, don't be afraid to put your notes in and say, Lord, so you're not the Lord, especially if you're really going through something and you need to be able to go right to that verse. Say, Lord, I need Psalms right now. Mm -mm. Lord done gave me something that I know I don't think I can bear. I need 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 right now. So you're able to go right to it. And remember this, I was in a, a, a Bible study yesterday. And it was something that was said that really, really struck a And I said, wow, you remember when Jesus was being tempted, right? He was out there half dead, hunger, tired, you know, just weary in that 40 days. And along comes Satan. Did the Bible or uh, any lesson anywhere say that God, uh, that Jesus had to say, hold on, let me get out my iPhone and look up the scripture here. Bibleapp.com. Mm -mm. Did it say that he went into his garment and he had to pull out a Bible? Mm -mm. When Satan, when the devil tempted him, he knew God's word. He gave it right back to him. And we know even the devil can quote scripture. So again, seek godly counsel. Because even the devil, I said I wasn't going to say nothing else about that, didn't I? Because even the devil can quote scripture. But if we have God's word truly locked in our hearts, which we know our heart and our mind are tied together, there is no doubt about you said, mm -mm, that is not according to scripture. Why? Because I study my Bible and I have godly counsel meeting with people who are truly of God and display the fruits of the spirit of God. Therefore, what you are saying, I rebuke and I turn away from, right? I saw a comment here that I wanted to go back to. I know a woman who told me that because she is saved and has a relationship with God, she could be in the, and I don't see the 
in part of that. But you know, people like to say a lot of the a lot of things, but we know, we know better. We know better. If let me take that back, we know better if we know our biblications. If you know your biblications, you know better. When people come with that stuff, you're like, mm-mm. That is not what 1 Peter 3 and 1 says. That is not what Jonah 1 and 9 says. Mm-mm. That is not right. It is just not, right? So make sure you study it. Again here, let me give you another scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. See, a lot of people, hold on. See, the Lord told me with this one, he said, don't even worry about the notes. He told me, he said, you don't even need them. Don't put them over there. I ain't used them notes since I got on, right? He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, not profitable for your Cadillac, not profitable for you to add 35,000 square feet to a building that God didn't ask you to open in the first place, amen, right? Not profitable for that, not profitable for you to fly all over the country with your family getting suntans and new teeth construction and hair implants and everything else that we tend to get with these things. The scripture says it is profitable for doctrine, for reproduction, proof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, let me go back one more time. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If your Godly counsel does not line up with this right here. Mm -mm. Tell you, go the other way, go the other way. If someone tells you something during your time of temptation and it is not of thus saith the Lord, it's of thus saith Pookie, it's thus saith Big Mama, because that's what Big Mama and her Big Mama before that and her Big Mama before that was taught, if that's what uh, Uncle John and all the rest of them was taught, but if it does not line up with thus saith the Lord, mm -mm, that's not how any of this works. Mm -mm. And just remember, Jesus didn't have time to pull out an iBible, an iPhone Bible, a, a, a Bible app to pull up. He didn't have time to be digging around and say, look, where is my Bible? Because Satan is talking crazy up here on this mountain. This man is telling me to jump off this building, bow down and worship him, and he will give me the word. Where is my scripture to refute this? No, he did not. It was in his head. And he said, it is written, right? Exit, stage left. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to do, right? No matter. And number 10, pray to God. Prayer is one of the most powerful, powerful things. As I taught last time, the key to unlocking scripture is what? The key to unlocking scripture is scripture. After that, the next key that you need to unlock is prayer. Pray. Pray. And I mean, like I said, sometimes people feel like you got to hoop, you got to holler and scream. Even if you just sit quietly to yourself, 
God knows the true desires of your heart. He can hear you. If you're in fellowship with 40 people and however you choose to pray, but make sure it's true and honest because prayer is one of the most powerful things. And I have a series. I can't remember if I uploaded the whole series over on um, on my YouTube channel about the different prayer watches and the things to pray as prayer watchmen and watch women on the wall during the, those times. And I may, um, I'll pray about it. And if the spirit directs me to come back, I may come back again as he doubled me back to this lesson, which I said initially um, this in portion here, these keys that we're going through, the, the Holy Spirit brought it back to my memory from August 23rd of 2018 and said, this is apropos for today. This is bring it back. Bring it back. Right. So prayer is powerful. It's the highest privilege given to mortal men, because we know after Adam and Eve, they lost the right to see God's face. They lost the right to be in his presence. Right. So I just can't get in my car and say, I'm driving to see Jesus. I need to talk to you. Where's my key? I need to go see Jesus today. We can't do that. Right. So our communication with him that he left behind us to be able to reach the supreme ruler is with prayer. We don't have to set an appointment. All we need to do is speak our hearts to God. And we know sometimes we do question it. Don't, don't even fibricate. Don't even fibricate and be like, you never wondered if God truly hears your prayers. Don't even sit up and tell that fibrication because you're going to have to repent. If you say it, mm -mm. but just know that he hears us, right? In times of troubles, we need to talk to God and seek comfort from him. And by praying to God, again, that establishes that relationship I talked about um, a few slides back, building that relationship with God. And no matter how big the storm waves, no matter how hard the trials, right? We can always know that God, is greater than our problems. His promises are greater than our problems. First John 5 and 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. My scripture also tells me he is a God that cannot lie. He is a God that does not lie. So if we truly doubt and if we doubt and don't believe that he hears us, that's saying that first John 5, 14 is a lie, right? Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, remember that part, underline that part, according to his will, not our will, not according to our want, not according to what our husband wants, our wife wants, our girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, our job, no matter what the world may want, it says that if we ask anything, and that's the way I'm telling you, scripture just jump out at you. Look for those key words, right? It's easy to read through this. Now is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, yeah, he hears us. But if you truly spend time and focus on a passage, it's like it'll just come off the page. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Thus, as we pray, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we will receive mercy and find the grace to help us during our times of need. That's Hebrews 4 and 16. 
We can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So as we we've went through all of these, right? Remembering that the innkeeper, he didn't judge. Remember the judgment we talked about in the last lesson? He didn't ask questions. He didn't say, Lord, let me start keeping, uh, you want me to keep a tab? How long? You say, when you come back, you're going to repay me. So I need to keep, um, you want me to keep a tab on how many of my good uh, goat skin washcloths I have to clean this man up with? Uh, how many tens of salve it's going to take to heal up all of these wounds um, that you leaving this dead beat up man here, right? Remember, each day, each moment. We're responsible for the ends that God has left us in charge of. When you think about the Good Samaritan story, that parable there, don't just think about the Good Samaritan coming along, right? And for those of you that came in after, let me pop that back up. That was Luke 10, verses 30 through 37. Ask, man, the Samaritan was good. That was great. But the innkeeper, who's often not spoke of, the innkeeper. How am I keeping the end? When the scripture here says, take care of him, take care of her, take care of my people, right? Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee, right? Powerful, powerful. Just remember that. So how are we keeping the end until God returns? And remember what the God's law demands of us the gospel will produce in us. I'll say that one more time. What the law, God's law, his immutable law demands of us, the gospel produces in us, right? So as we look at this, right? Let's close out with a word of prayer before we wrap up and go through this. Because I tell you, this is such a powerful, powerful um, parable. And just spend some time with it and just look at all of the moving parts. Because as I said before, it's so easy to get caught up in looking at the, uh, you know, the Samaritan, the Levite and arguing, you know, well, he didn't come across because it was the Sabbath. It was this. Look at the innkeeper and ask yourself, how am I keeping God's in right now? Am I doing what's required as an innkeeper? Will what I'm doing right now get me to that real Airbnb? Father God, we just want to come to you and say thank you for being such a loving and gracious God, Father. Thank you that you've offered us forgiveness and the gift of new life in and through you, Father God. We thank you that your love is perfect, Father God, and it never fails, Lord, and that nothing can separate us from your love, Father. We pray that our lives will be filled and overflowing with the power of your love, Father, so that we can make a difference in this world and bring honor to you, Lord, in everything that we do. All of these things that we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So just remember that as you're going through your day. I hope you guys have found something in this, or as I always say, or maybe heard something that made you say, hmm, that tornado? She may be on to something, but as I always say, don't take my word for it. Go back, grab your biblications, double check the scripture, double check, be like, mm -hmm. yep, study to show thyself approved. And as I always close out, until next time, walk good, do good, be good. 
tornado, I'm out. How do we get the PowerPoint? Um, actually, if just send me, um, look in, I believe it's in my, um, I believe it's in my bio. I don't want to tell Phil and I can't go and look from here. But if you just send me, um, send me an email, actually you can email Ruach, R-U-A-C-H, runner, R-U-N-N-E-R at gmail.com. That's Ruach runner at gmail.com. And I will get it to you, the keys, everything um, in the notes. All right. Until next time, walk good, do good, be good. I love y'all. I truly, truly do. And God loves you too.